Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hi, friends. This is Adam Borneman, and today I have the distinct pleasure of being with my very good friend and colleague, Will McCall. Will is the president of Dallas Leadership Foundations and also the facilitator of a pastor cohort in Dallas with the Ministry Collaborative. Will, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Adam. Will, aside from the fact that you're a Dodgers fan, which is really disappointing, I think, to most of our <laughs> listeners, tell us a little bit about where you come from and how you got to where you are in Dallas. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles where the world champion Dodgers reside <laughs> along with the world champion Lakers. And so growing up there, I enjoyed great sports and I enjoyed watching Atlanta teams be not so great. That being said, it's funny. I grew up Southern Baptist with the Southern Baptist pastor, with the Baptist grandfather, great-grandfather, and great-great-grandfather. Wow. And was churched. And I really think if I wasn't reared in the church, hmm. I'm not sure if I would have been attracted to the church because as I sat in the church, I enjoyed it and I received great benefit from my home church. And my father is a wonderful pastor, wonderful father, husband, all that. So I'm not carrying some anger or grudge towards him, but I did not see relevance outside of Sunday and Wednesday night. And uh, some of it was my immaturity. Some of it was just the dysfunction of churches in general, where I felt we were existing to stay in existence. And uh, my friends and the guys that I knew that were struggling and the girls I knew that were struggling, we didn't talk about their issues. And it was important, especially being Southern Baptist, to show your best self so we didn't deal with the tough issues, of which every once in a while in Vacation Bible School and with our youth leaders, we did get into real issues. And I just didn't understand why it didn't happen more often. So grew up in Southern California, went to school in Louisiana, live in Texas, been married for a lot of years to this woman. I think her name is Deborah. Yeah, Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have two boys, very happy, just a happy, grateful guy with a bad attitude. <laughs> In your role with Dallas Leadership Foundations, how did you find your way into that? It found me. I came to ministry late in life. I was more focused on business, never completely left the church. It was one time when I, in my early 20s, uh, when I thought I was going to join the Nation of Islam, that's real, because I saw them as being relevant to what was happening in the streets. And then I went and I listened to Minister Farrakhan in the Coliseum in L.A. and understood I was not going to follow the Nation of Islam. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went back to the church and I was focused on business, stayed connected to the church. I was active. I gave and I felt the Lord calling me for a lot of years. And at 30, I accepted that call. And I was just trying to figure out what to do. I didn't feel particularly 
drawn to congregational work. And uh, I worked in a commercial real estate firm and all that stuff. The founder of Dallas Leadership Foundation's husband was a headhunter for real estate professionals. I had left real estate. He kept bothering me to take over this large shopping center. And he just kept bugging me, kept bugging me. And so I sent him a ministry resume with, you know, the way I volunteered my church and did prison ministry. I thought, okay, this is how I get him off my back. Four months later, they called me for this job. Folks may be wondering what Leadership Foundations is. Could you give a quick 30-second description? Yeah. Leadership Foundation is a federation of organizations that we see the city as our parish, and we believe that we all have a leadership call. And in particular, we look for the overlooked leaders in society. Uh, we believe that every part of society is the Lord's. So we will utilize not only the church, but within the church, we utilize the police department, the hospital zone, business leaders, education, and of course, politicians to glorify the Lord and to bring benefit to all people in all parts of cities and in rural areas. There's about uh, 48 leadership foundations across the globe. So most of them are in the continental United States, about 30 plus, and the others are in Central America, Africa, and Asia. In your experience with that, I think it's one of the reasons that you and I click so well, but also just organizationally why the Ministry Collaborative has been so privileged to have you involved with us on our board and as a facilitator, and it's just a great conversation partner and friend. To be more specific with that, I think it's because what you just described provides you with a really important lens for ministry in the 21st century. So I wonder if you could share a little bit about that. How has your experience with leadership foundations and civic engagement and all the things you just described, how does that inform how you think about ministry? You know, I was listening to my Bible in a year. I'm kind of Presbyterian now. That's too bad. And so I'm hanging with my Presbyterian If I've contributed and... that at all, my sincere apologies. <laughs> I'm a Baptist <laughs> Presbycostal, so uh, whatever that is. And so listening to the Bible, my, my little driving devotion, the speaker brought up God's strategy and how God starts in cities. Mm. And the work that happens within cities moves out in our context to the suburbs, to the countryside, and how God used that. And Leadership Foundations has allowed me to see the Lord's activity in community, in cities, and how the world has moved to cities. We're a majority urban world now. And um, when we are that, we have to find answers that help others live within the city. When the church is relevant, it is finding those answers on how to flourish within society where people are close together. And so that's a big part of how I see my work and I see the work of leadership foundations. You guys may have seen, I think last month, Gallup spoke about uh, how we are, for the first time in America's history, not majority connected to a church. And it's not just the Z's and millennials. The concern I think many of us have that are connected to the churches. And then again, going back to the work I've been doing with leadership foundations is the relevance. Where are we as a church? 
and the survey that Gallup did last month is speaking volumes to us who are part of congregations and a part of the church that the people are screaming that what we're preaching about and what we're doing is not relevant and speaking to their everyday lives. I think that's the beauty of Leadership Foundations. It's forced me to walk the streets, listen to people, listen to guys in the neighborhood, listen to women in the boardroom, and listen to everybody in between that are asking for help. And they're not particularly saying, I want help from the church. I just want help from people who listen to me and understand me. Will, you've talked a lot about this relevance versus irrelevance theme in your own personal journey and in your work now. It makes me wonder, in what ways is the church wasting time and energy from your perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I was with another pastor this morning. We had breakfast, pretty large church, and we're wasting energy on power struggles over things that just don't matter. Program styles, of course, music, which is always music and carpet seem to just <laughs> run through every denomination, every size church, every culture. And what we're not doing is sitting with people long enough to understand. We are programming them, but we're not present with them. And so we're not understanding what is being asked of us first by the Lord and what the Lord is saying to us through the people that the Lord would have us do. Well, this group of pastors you've been working with, with the Ministry Collaborative, is a really wonderful group, I have to say. Just a really diverse group, but a very gifted group, and one that's committed, I think, to the common good of Dallas. What have you learned from that process of working so closely with those pastors? That it is tough to be vulnerable. I thought I knew it. And I'll give you I'll give you what happened in our very last meeting. We all have similarities and things that we care about. We're very different, but our core is pretty similar in the sense that we're looking for ways to impact our communities and ways to help the congregation and our membership to get out and do tangible things that bring benefit to others and glory to God in the community. And one of our members, one of our brothers, he let us know, because we were talking about the Derek Chauvin case and January 6th and all that. And, you know, we were kind of beating up on Trump. And one of our brothers had to let us know that he actually voted for Trump. Again, I have this spiritual gift of offense and so I can do it pretty well anywhere at any time. I think I started it, and this is a good friend of mine, and the guy happens to be black. As much as we've talked, and we've talked, we've had tears, we've been through it together, but still he was holding back. And the need to be liked, perfect, and really smart actually can block us being effective. Again, it was just another learning that vulnerability and mine, I have things too. Like, I think I'm being vulnerable and I'm lying to myself at times. I know how to feign vulnerability or I know how to just fake it. 
And so uh, he really moved our conversation to another level. And I really appreciate his level of vulnerability. Well, what do you think is the relationship between vulnerability and justice? That's a complicated question. I hadn't thought of it that way. I would say from the side of the oppressed, I'm not sure because life is nothing but the reality that you're in a vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. From the side of those that are in power, it is probably scary as heck. Mm-hmm. And as a man, there are times when I see it in myself where if I let my guard down, they may see that the S on my chest is painted on and I'm not really that super. So they may take me down or they may get me back for the wrong I've done in the past or my insensitive the way that I've been insensitive, they would be the same way towards me. So being vulnerable is crucial. It's essential if you want to bring justice. Yeah, I totally agree. And I asked that question because I do agree that the relationship between truth-telling and justice is so important. And truth-telling starts with ourselves. And I really appreciate you sharing the story about the pastor and your group who's willing to do that and also to have a group to be able to process that together. I think that those small moments are connected in the aggregate to the much more macro issues that we have in our society in a really profound way. Will, if you're standing up in an auditorium in front of a thousand pastors, what are you saying to them about the next three years of ministry? Love folk, take down the need to perform, just kind of kill that. And sit with people more often mm-hmm. in unprogrammed space. What do you mean by unprogrammed space? Just about what we're doing. You know, when we started this podcast, okay, what's the subject? You know, I'm, I'm ready to program <laughs> me so I can really sound good. Hang with your people yeah. so you can really hear them. It will, I think, transform us all into a better reflection of Christ so we're more beneficial to his creation. Will, where are you seeing the spirit at work right now that is really inspiring you personally? (laughs) Always in the neighborhood, always in the community, in the prison. There's a woman who literally barely talks, who is one of the pillars of our city. When I met her, she still didn't talk that much, but she controls and runs her neighborhood. We have major construction, freeway construction happening in Dallas. And there's certain parts of the city when the freeway comes along, there's a big wall so the neighborhood doesn't hear the cars. And then there's her side of town, you don't have the same big walls. Now, some of the big churches or some of the big businesses, they have the walls next to where they are. Her neighborhood, huge wall. It just sits out there by itself because she knew how to rattle the cages, shake the trees of leadership, and she made sure her neighborhood was not going to hear a bunch of, you know, vehicles up and down the freeway mm. once they up, you know, redid the freeway. So, I see people like that all the time. And that's what energizes me and reminds me again to sit with the brilliance of folk that are closest to the problem mm. because I know they're closest to the solution. And they should. And as long as I'm saying they will have the greatest voice when we work. Sounds like for you, ministry is all about getting proximate. Yes. It's hard to have ministry without 
proximity. Amen. Well, thanks so much for your time today, but also for your investment with pastors and with Dallas Leadership Foundations and the community there. Uh, We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Adam. Good hanging with you. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.